follow me, follow me. And, 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 and people made excuses why they couldn't follow Jesus at that particular time. But when we come to chapter 10, we realize there were 72 men who said, I will follow you. And so we have these, these, these men here. We read, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was going to go. 72 men said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. I will seek to obey you. I will, I will seek to, to do what you asked me to do. 72 men. And so Jesus appointed them and he sent them out. Now it's very interesting where he sent them. He sent them out to every single place that he was going to go to. Two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So when these 72 men went into a town, they would declare the kingdom of God and they would say, guess what? Someone greater than us is coming. They would go into a city or into a place and they would say, listen, we're, we're preaching and we, we're delivering demons and we're healing the sick, but if you think that is good, guess what? Someone else is coming who's far greater than us. And when he comes, you will be amazed. And they went to all manner of places. And they spoke to people. And they prepared people for the coming of Jesus Christ. That's what they did. They prepared towns. They prepared every place that they went to. They prepared it for the coming of Jesus Christ. I believe the church, especially in the West, has forgotten why we're here. You know, it wouldn't be wonderful, once you get saved, wouldn't it be wonderful God to take you and transport you all the way to glory? Once you get saved, bang, that's it. You're in the presence of God. That will be tremendous. You don't have to deal with this corrupt and horrible and sinful world that we live in. You can get saved and God will take you into his presence. That would be wonderful. But God has left you here. God has left his church here for a purpose. And what is that purpose? What is that reason that God has left the church here? That's the question. You know, every year we remember the Christmas story. And the Christmas story is such a wonderful wonderful story and, and we believe and hold on to it so fully. Well why? Because in the Old Testament we read scriptures like for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. We, we hear and we read um, words like that in the Old Testament. We also read words like a virgin shall be with child and she will give birth to a son and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wonderful verses. And when we think about that, we, we read about and, and it's documented about the, the wise men, about the shepherds, about the star of David. All these things are, are written and we know, and we know, we're convinced that Jesus Christ came the first time. We're convinced 
that Jesus Christ came as a baby born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth and died on the cross. We're convinced. Why? Because the Old Testament and the New Testament confirms that Jesus Christ came the first time. That's wonderful. But many in that day missed it. When Jesus Christ came, many kings missed it. Many people missed the first coming of Christ. And as we look this morning, guess what? The Bible tells me, and I want you to hear me carefully, the Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is coming a second time. Now look what the scripture says. Don't take my words for it, but look what the scripture says. Here was the disciples. Jesus now is going up into glory. After 40 days of appearing in his resurrection body, he's been taken up into glory. And as the disciples were looking into the sky, as Jesus was taken up, two men in white stood next to them. Two angels stood next to them. And this is what they said. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men... Dressed in white, stood beside the men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here, looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. That is very important. These angels turn around and they convince these 12 men, listen, this is not the end of the story now, Jesus is gone. They reminded them and told them that Jesus is coming back. And although the church needs to tell others about his return, I believe that the church needs to be told again themselves. Never mind those outside. We need to be reminded again, without a shadow of a doubt, that as we believe in the first coming of Christ, we need to be convinced with all our hearts that Jesus is coming a second time. And I want you to really hear me. Jesus often spoke about himself coming back. You can go through the New Testament in the Gospels. He often spoke about himself as a landowner. Or as a, you know, as a, um, a, a person who owns property. And he speaks about himself as a landowner who goes on a journey. He goes on a long journey and he entrusts his servants with talents or the care of his property. Now the key thing to remember is that the journey that the landowner goes on comes to an end. And he comes back again to his land, to his property. And Jesus again and again and again spoke about parables of himself being this landowner, being this property owner who comes back from a long journey. And he brings with him rewards, encouragement, and judgment as well. Now, here's one of those parables. I won't go through the whole thing, but 
Jesus ends it by saying, but suppose the servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is Jesus speaking and saying that he's coming again, but if he comes again, there will be people not ready for him. If he comes again, and when he comes again, there will be people who are unaware of his return. They have not prepared themselves. Now, do you know, Jesus is looking forward to coming again. I'd like you to know that. He's looking forward to it. I like what he says over in uh, Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, hallelujah, and all the angels, you know what? Heaven is going to be empty of angels one day. There will be no angels in heaven because all of the angels will come with him to the earth. He's looking forward to it. He can't wait for it. He's eager to come again. He sees the corruption of our world. He sees Satan making our world darker and darker and darker. There's so much wickedness and evil in our world. We only see a tiny bit of it in our news. But my friends, there's so much blackness and darkness in our world today that Jesus can't wait to come. And that day will come unexpected. But you know, the temptation is to become, and I believe this is so true of all the churches in the UK, the temptation is to become complacent. Look what Peter says. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Where is this promise? You know what, it's not people outside the church who will say this. They don't really care about Jesus. They use his name as a curse word. They're not the ones saying it. It's the people within the church that will be saying this. They will be saying, hold on, where is this coming? I mean, I've been going to church for 10, 15, 20 years and nothing's changed. This Jesus is not coming back. Where is this coming? And this voice is being sounded over many, many churches this morning. No one's really thinking about the coming of Jesus. Where is it happening? I mean, you know, things are, are continuing and, and people deliberately forget that even though they're Christians and you ask them, 
How did God create the world? They will say God created the world by his word. They will say that. God created the, 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 the world by his word. The heavens were created by his word. The earth was formed by his word. And it's the same word that he speaks that will bring everything to an end. It's time for the church to be reminded by the Holy Spirit this morning that Jesus Christ is coming a second time. Look what the um, Bible says. It says, as you look forward to that day of God, as you look forward to it, and speed its coming. You look forward to it and you, you speed its coming. You know, when I was a, a child, you know, and, and Christmas was approaching, oh, I was counting down the days. Oh, you know, two more weeks before Christmas. Five more days before Christmas. Three more days before Christmas. And suddenly Christmas morning is here and you open up your presents and you're rearing to go. Why? Because you're speeding that day. You so long for that day to come. Some of you are going on holiday. My in-laws have gone on um, this morning. And I can remember on Friday we had the deaf people social event. And when Janet Bunting said that she was going on holiday on Sunday, she started jumping like this. Couldn't it wait to get on an aeroplane? Excitement. And some of you have booked your holiday. Some of you are going to beautiful areas. The excitement builds and you're speeding the day when you get on that plane. You go on your holiday. It's wonderful. But the Bible says that same excitement, that same thrill that you have about an appointment that you're looking forward to, you should have that about the coming of God, the coming of Christ. You just speed his return. Praise God. Now I'm going to want you to help me here, some, some participation from you. I want you to help me here. This word here, Maranatha. Can you say Maranatha? Maranatha. Louder, Maranatha. Maranatha. One more time, Maranatha. Maranatha. Okay, turn to the person next to you and say Maranatha. Turn the person behind you and say, Maranatha. You don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Maranatha. You're turning around and you're saying, Maranatha. Do you know, you find this word over in 1 Corinthians 16, 22. That's where you find it. Say, Maranatha. It was a word being used by Christians. And when they greet one another, they would say, Maranatha. When they were going away from one another, they were saying, Maranatha. Why were they saying Maranatha? When they greet somebody, Maranatha. When they leave, they said Maranatha. This is what Maranatha means. It means our Lord is coming. Say Maranatha. When you say Maranatha and you greet somebody, you're saying, our Lord is coming. And when you go from that person to your business, you say, Maranatha. 
means your Lord, our Lord is coming. Before that, they were saying shalom to one another. You know what shalom means, don't you? Somebody? Got a Jewish guy right out there. He's, he knows what he's talking about. Peace. He used to say peace to one another. But when Jesus Christ told them that he's coming back again, they changed that word shalom and they pushed that to one side and they used the word maranatha. Our Lord is coming. And the sad thing is that word now has gone out of our vocabulary. The sad thing is now that no one says to no one, the Lord's coming. He's coming. And we get so caught up in our lives, as it were, that we forget that Jesus Christ is coming. God wanted me to stay on this this morning. I wanted to preach something different. I said, Lord, let me preach something different. Let me preach something comfortable, easy. No, 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 no. Stay. Stay on this. Because the church has forgotten. Everybody is busy building their, their, their homes and their castles upon the face of the earth, not realizing that one day I'm coming back. And when I come back, says the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm taking my church away to be with me. But do you know he's coming? We're convinced every year that he came. But the coming of the day, when we would say, Maranatha, our Lord is coming, and behold, here he comes. Here he comes. I could stay on this a lot longer. There's so much to say. The question you need to ask yourselves, am I ready for the coming of Jesus? If he came before the service ends, while Jerry is still preaching, while the preacher is still speaking, suddenly the clouds are filled with angels and Christ has arrived. Am I ready to go with him? That must be the question everyone is asked. Some of us will arrive before him. I was reading this story just today. It's such a sad story. The All Blacks football player in Australia. It's a sad story. Him and his wife in France driving on holiday. And his wife hit the side of the curb and the car tipped over. He was rammed by a coach. Both husband and wife died only in their late 20s, early 30s. And a little baby that had in her back is fighting for its life. It's a sad story. My heart was broken just reading that last night. Some of us won't wait until Christ comes again because we will be taken out of the game one way or another. The question still remains, are you ready? Maranatha, our Lord is coming. Our Lord is coming. And so these 72 men had that mission. They went to every town. They went to every village, every place. They healed the sick cast out demons, and they told them, listen, someone greater is coming behind us. He is the Lord himself. He is the king of glory. He is God in the flesh, and he's coming to your town. Get ready. And people were getting ready for the coming of Christ. 
Let's move on because not only a eager, not only eagerly waiting, but also eagerly speaking. Jesus now seeks to instruct these men, these seventy-two men. He seeks to instruct them, and so he turns around and he says to them, "He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore." To send out workers or laborers into his harvest field. In other words, when he says the harvest is plentiful, what he's saying is there's so many people who need to hear the good news. There's so many people who do not yet know that Jesus Christ came the first time, let alone the second time. There's so many people yet to know the wonderful, glorious news. And there they are, they're like the harvest. So many out there who need to know. But before you go, he says, before you go, you need to start praying and asking don't go running out there and saying, I can do it in my own strength. No, no, no. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Ask, pray, seek the Lord of the harvest. That's the first portal call. Let's not pass that. Don't, let's not go over that. Let's just stop right there. Pray, ask, seek God. Why? Because it's his harvest. The people out there belong to him. They're created in his image. He loves them. He dies for them. They are his people. It's his harvest. Therefore, we go to him and say, oh God, oh God, I'm praying for men and women out there. I'm praying for men and women who do not yet know you. I was reminded the, the other day, I was reminded of um, a preacher back in the last century, a guy called C.H. Spurgeon. I was reminded that he had a church over 6,000 people in his church. But someone came up to C.H. Spurgeon and said, you've got 6,000 people in your church. How do you do it? And he took them downstairs. And he opened the door in a morning service. There were 300 people downstairs praying for the service upstairs. 300 people downstairs and their only job was to pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to bless the people in the harvest field. 300. Praying. All they're doing down there is just praying. They're not hearing any preaching. They're not hearing, having any communion service. All they're doing is crying out to God. And this man says, do you want to know the secret of my power? It's not in my preaching. It's not in my intellect. The secret of my power is that people are praying and seeking God for the blessing on this church. Lord, it's your harvest. And Jesus encourages these men to pray and to seek him for the harvest. And why should they pray? Well, pray, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. 
You know, years ago, churches were concerned about sending missionaries out all around the world. Do you know most of, in the history of the, of the church, so many missionary societies started up. And they started up because they wanted to send missionaries to all the nations. Now, do you know the funny thing is? All the nations have come to the UK. That's the funny thing. Back in the day, in 1800s and 1700s, when the missionary societies were raising up workers and sending them out to parts of Africa and parts of India and Pakistan, now we find that the nations have come to the UK. I remember I was at this um, at conference in Keswick. I was only a young man, maybe about 16, 17. And I was at this conference in Keswick. It was a funny meeting. It was called a missionary service. And I thought, okay, I'll let me sit into the service, see what's happening. And I was sitting in this missionary service. And as the man was preaching, he was preaching um, from Isaiah chapter 6 and and. And there's a song that they sung here. Remember the song that they sung? It started with the words, I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. And this guy was preaching and, and, and he was saying, God was saying, you know, who should I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah cried out, here am I, send me. And after I was listening to that sermon, the preacher says, who will go to the mission field? Who will go to parts of Africa and parts of Pakistan and parts of, of, of America? Who will go? And I was standing there and I was surprised. Young people were standing up next to me. University students were standing up. I'll go, said one. Another one stood up. And before you know it, I looked out and there were a sea of people all standing up saying, I go, I go, I go. I was amazed. You see, you may not choose to go to Poland, but the Polish people have come to you. You may not choose to go to India or Pakistan, but the Indians and the Pakistanis have come to you. You may not choose to go to Africa or the Caribbean, or well, some of you might like to choose to go to the Caribbean. <laughs> but the Africans and the Caribbeans have come to you. You may not choose to go to Ireland or to Scotland. But guess what? The Irish and the Scottish have come to you. In fact, if we begin to pray, God, bless your harvest. God, I'm praying for the people out there who do not yet know you. God, send workers out in your harvest field. Send missionaries out there, Lord. Save men and women. Guess what? God might give you an opportunity to speak to a Scotsman at your workplace. God might give you an opportunity to speak to an Irish person in your workplace. God may give you an opportunity to speak to a Pakistani or to an Indian or to an African or to a Caribbean. He might give you the opportunity to go and to be a servant 
in his harvest field. He might give you the opportunity. You're praying for missionaries to be standing up in a meeting. I'll go. But God said, I don't need to send anyone over there. You guys in England are so lazy, you don't want to go anywhere. But listen what? I'm going to bring them to your shores. And they're going to be in your face. And they're not going to know about Christ. But I'm going to bring them because as as I said, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? The Lord is saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, said Isaiah, it was me and myself alone. I said, Lord, I will go. Send me. I will speak, Lord. I will speak. Send me. And why should we go? Why should we speak? Very simply, in one word. In one word, I'll tell you why. Maranatha. That's the one word I will leave with you. Why should you speak? Why should you not keep silent in your household? Why should you not keep silent when God gives you an opportunity? Sometimes opportunities are very hard to come by, but God may well give you one this week. And it's difficult. Why should you speak in one word, Maranatha? That's why our Lord is coming. And because he's coming, we need to be bold enough to speak. The church, the church has had, has been gagged. The church has had them sellotape plastered around its mouth. Nobody really, really wants to speak out. But if we begin to pray and say, Lord, give me an opportunity. I'm weak. I can't say much. I don't know what a preacher knows. I don't know what this experienced Christian knows, I know very little, but Lord, I'm praying for your harvest because you're coming again and I don't want my family to be left behind. So Lord, give me an opportunity just to say something. To point somebody to you. Because I know you're coming. My dear friends, the Lord wanted me to stay on this topic. I'm going to be staying in chapter 10 for a long time. But he wants me to stay here. Never mind telling the people outside the church that the Lord is coming. I need to remind the church first. And remind you and to remind myself that we're left here for a purpose. Not just to enjoy worship. Not just to enjoy one another's company. Not just to enjoy having messages preached Sunday by Sunday. Although that is all wonderful stuff. No, 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 no. He's left us here for a purpose. Because we have a work to do. And that work is to remind people that Jesus is coming. Are you ready for his return? Are you ready? You're sitting there today and you can say, I am not ready. Then I beseech you. I plead with you. I beg you in the mercy, by the mercy of God to be ready today because you do not know 
the hour is unexpected. He will come like a thief in the night. If the owner of the house had known what time the thief was coming, he would lock the doors, stay up all night, and make sure he, he, he catches that thief before he comes into his house. He comes like a thief in the night. Be ready. Be ready. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we look forward to your return. For it says in your word that when you come, you will come with great glory and splendor. Every eye shall see you. Every tongue will be loosened. And instead of saying your name as a curse, they will look in amazement and the words that will come out of their mouth will be Jesus Christ for you will come in all your splendor and in all your glory and with all your angels and you will come the second time oh God many people missed the first time you came kings and queens missed the first time you came. Government officials were not concerned. Bethlehem was full of people making money and doing their own thing. They didn't know that the king arrived at night. They didn't know that the God of all creation came down into Bethlehem stables. So many missed it. But oh God, I know that no one's going to miss your second return. No one. Kings and queens, prime ministers and, pre and presidents, government officials, the lowly, the poor, nations. No one's going to miss it when you come. And Lord, I thank you that we have heard the call. May every man, woman, young person here today, Lord, may we be ready for the return of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maranatha. 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 Our Lord is coming. Praise be to God. Let's stand.